Hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of Absolutely Nobody's Favorite Podcast, Annoying Question Boy. If you are returning, thank you for coming back. I appreciate that. And if this is your first time listening, again, thank you. I appreciate that. And I hope you enjoy and come back. Um, Today, we have a friend of mine, uh, Eddie Smith. Um, He is a gentleman from Iowa. Uh, he has recently gained a bit of a following on TikTok and has since used that platform to kind of um, educate a lot of people about some uh, misconceptions about history and also about politics and political theory. Um, very smart kid. Uh, he went to school for this. He, uh, he knows what the fuck he's talking about. And he's uh, one, of the, one of the best conversationalists that I've had on this show. So... Uh, thanks again, Freddie, for coming on the show, and uh, here's that. Hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Howdy. Yo. How are we? Good. I hope I sound better. I got a mic now. You do sound better, and I think we're going to have a better time with the internet because I'm actually inside. Last time I recorded on my sun porch, which is pretty far from the router, but I think I'm going to get like a wireless router booster thingy, but... That doesn't really matter. So, hello. Hi. Uh, I want to go ahead and introduce yourself once again. Yes, my name is Eddie Smith. Um, I I do politics stuff. Uh, I got my major in politics. Um, Graduated recently, and now I do TikToks and run a website and work in coach wrestling. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Second time on the show. Glad to have you back. Um, so, I mean, not for nothing, let's just kind of jump right into things. I'm feeling good. I just hit my pen again myself, so I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm pretty tooted, as the kids say. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, um, first things first, we, we had an election. Are you, were you aware of this? Um, I saw something about it, um, on the news at work, but, uh. Who cares about that shit, right? Right. I don't right, really pay right. attention to politics. So No, no, of course not. Because, I mean, not for nothing. Um, absolutely none of your life is dictated by what happens in uh, in politics, right? Right. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no. Election happened. Joe Biden won. So what? I mean, not for, not for nothing, but ultimately, as has been said before, um, there really isn't much change for the working class. Um, but we, I, I have seen in a lot of different spheres, especially, uh, on my like Facebook group left pod posting that I'm in, like people discussing what this means now. And even within this, like supposedly, uh, and, and this discussion actually, I don't think happened in left pod posting, but it happened elsewhere. Um, but I, I, I was reading a, a, like a comment, you know, back and forth thing where, um, they were talking about like how a Joe Biden presidency could actually be an accelerationist thing because the absolute failure of Joe Biden will be enough to radicalize liberals. And to some extent, <laughs> yeah, wait, hold on, because I'm going to self-report here. To some extent, I actually believe that because I was like, I have a lot of friends who put a lot at stake for this election like every social media platform they had like completely turned towards a uh, vote out big bad cheeto man front mm-hmm. you know what i mean 
for sure. And and like we will see uh, in a complete and it's not even a ball drop because it, we know it's going to happen. Like Joe Biden's going to fluff at every small little bump that there is along the road and completely tell the line of the status quo. Um, but uh, as I am coming to understand, I don't think this will be enough to make any change. Would you agree? Um, as far as would I agree with like that? radicalizing people, getting people to conceptualize like how much of a you know idealistic thing this electoral politics in the United States has come to be. I mean, I'm sure it'll happen on some level. I actually, there's a liberal. With uh, hundreds of thousands of followers on TikTok who messaged me over the weekend, um, uh, how do I become a socialist? Whoa! Like, look at that. Oh, I won't out them, but right, maybe right, that cool. kind of proves that theory. There, I don't know. I mean, not for nothing. Everything that is being discussed on, I mean, even here is all just a theory. None of us can see the future, but. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely don't see that being the event that causes like true structural change, right? Right. Yeah. Right. No, so, I don't think so. So then what what in your opinion do you think can be taken from this election, if anything, you know, is there anything that we have gained? You know, kind of what's your take on what what happened this week this past week? Or should I say yeah. the last two years? First of all, time out, sorry to cut you off fucking utterly ridiculous that our elections take so fucking long continue Uh (laughs) yeah i mean that's part of the reason they take so long is to take the public debate you know and like that's uh the whole time like i've made an effort to make my content not about the election right (laughs) i want to continue radicalizing people on class lines you know on these systemic issues with capitalism and if you spend all your time talking about the bourgeois elections you're never gonna um or you're wasting time that could be spent radicalizing people so i agree um, I, I, am, I am guilty of that myself shall i say sorry last time <laughs> i'm gonna cut you off that's all right no yeah i mean it's hard it's interesting and and if i posted stuff about the elections it freaking blew up man because people like you know they want to hear about election stuff but what's happening right um but you gotta fight that urge i guess and then um, right right yeah i don't know it's nice to not have like a brazen racist with a a giant band of sycophants as the president anymore um but but yeah and i think you know i'm gonna i look forward to speaking to trump people too now that they don't have this cult of personality hovering over them you know i want to radicalize them as well so Mm -hmm. yeah and i definitely think that now is our moment to kind of cross a barrier uh that i see especially in my area and i would assume that being that you're from the midwest you probably have a little bit of this and that's kind of that barrier between like what once was like uh like what do i want to say rural like traditionalism and like uh you know like a lot of the ideals that came from people who lived in rural areas during early onset like urbanization a lot of them had much more class class solidarity than we have now and i think that that is an untapped reservoir because not for nothing 
that has completely been co-opted into just bullshit patriotism that has completely consumed anything quote unquote country. And so I think that that's a barrier that could quite possibly be crossed because of our, I mean, we had this mutual hatred of Trump with liberals. That is a very, you know, real possibility, a real bridge to cross with former Trump supporters is this hatred for Biden, because you got to know that on principle, they're going to hate Biden. That is an avenue to critique Biden rather than being from the, you know, the right, but from the left, which they're probably not getting any of. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The strat, the dynamic has changed, I guess, is I, I did a live stream and was talking about that. Like, you know, for a while, like you said, you had solidarity with liberals and that they hated Trump. And of course we hate Trump, but now, like you said, the Republicans are all going to hate Biden and like, you know, they're going to be more open to hearing uh, actual substantive critiques of Biden, you know, like, right. The, the the imperialism and all the stuff we hate about capitalism in the United States right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you just got to be strategic. And I, I wrote an article about patriotism and I looked in uh, to a lot of what Lenin had to say about patriotism. And he talks about uh, social or national chauvinism as opposed to like pride and patriotism mm-hmm. or just like nationalism, you know, as far as like wanting to control your own country's resources and have independence and he's like, it's it's this thing that you see in fascist countries, you know, where it's just like this hyper love for your country, hyper patriotism. And you think your country's the best and we spread freedom and democracy. And if we extract resources from other countries, that's just too bad. They should be stronger. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, And that's what you see in the U.S. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, what strategy do you take then, you know, like? I just try and have be like, I'm not against patriotism. You know, I have an American flag in my house. It's an American flag with a peace sign on it. But <laughs> like, I'm not, you know, it. I'm not the burn the flag type Marxist just because I don't think that's a bad, a good strategy for appealing to people in the in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the social chauvinism and the racism and the hyper patriotism um, among rednecks, I guess, or hicks or whatever, like. I am so sick of it (laughs) from Mm -hmm. living in the Midwest. Understandably so. And not for nothing, I think, and and this is, and I I offer you this um, because this is something that I've used with my grandparents who aren't country folk, but they're very patriot like types. You know, they're, they're Uh old Americans. They're like 80 something. They were business owners, like super pro America from like the (laughs) business side of things. You know what I mean? Right. I explained to them, I go, you know, not for nothing, patriotism is something that I would love to be able to have. I go, but the difference is I'm not just seeking to be prideful in my country for the sake of that in order to be patriotic. I I want to be prideful in my country or rather prideful in my, you know, locality where I live simply because of the good things that that place does you know what i mean not because we're saying that we're the best and so you know against all odds i'm gonna sit here and say no in fact we're the best and so i think this idea of like i get why you're patriotic like that's great but i mean i think that we could be a better country in you know in order to be proud of something better 
Yeah, I that's how I explain it. I have this wrestling coach. He's a great person, great man, you know, probably voted Republican his whole life. I don't know about this election, but like he just loves America, right? He loves flying the flag. And when I explain to him what's going on as far as what America's doing around the world and stuff, I say it's embarrassing. It literally makes it embarrassing to be an American, you know, to have homeless people and to have people starving and, you know, have an obesity crisis caused by, you know, we're just being fed uh, nothing but crap and to have an opioid crisis to make, you know, so that pharmaceutical companies can make insane profits. Like that shit is embarrassing. It makes it embarrassing to be an American. If you have pride, you know, you should want to change that, you know? Uh, So, and that's the angle I took with my coach. who's like, you know, we have a great relationship. So, um, and that's the best way to change people like that. You know, it's people who know you and respect you on a personal level. Um, and then they're more open to hearing your political beliefs, even if they're super radical. Right. Yes. I, uh, it, 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 honestly, flying an American flag is like being a Cubs fan at this point. Like, what, <laughs> what, like, what's the point? I mean, we've been failing for just as long as the Cubs have, if not longer. <laughs> so like, I mean, not, not for nothing. I think, uh, I think what would really be the best uh, end to 2020 is both uh, a disbanding of the United States and the Chicago Cubs. And I is a huge Cubs fan. <laughs> um, sorry, hold on. I think I cut out there. Yeah, your internet's a little spotty. Yeah, it is what it is. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, not for nothing. I think... Um, I think you're right. Yes. I, I think that the, the easiest the easiest people to change or the easiest people to advertise socialism to is again people who you have mutual respect with who know you and stuff like that. Um mm-hmm. I think another thing that can be uh you know, especially since you're using like TikTok and stuff like that, um just genuinely paying attention to what people are talking about, like say, you know, after this election, we start environment again, bringing, bringing the, you know, the popular uh, pop culture conversation into a Marxist lens and discussing it objectively in spheres like TikTok, I think is precisely how you take that, that, you know, ease of conversation that you have with like, uh, like your coach, perhaps, and mm-hmm. translate it to, you know, passing that information on. Because we saw with the election, like we were talking about, like, if you wanted to see your TikToks blow up, you could have just posted, you know, just consistent elect uh, uh, election shit like I did. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you probably would have blown up. But now, like I was talking with my friend John as I was driving home, uh, he was saying how where he is protesting on the streets um, cause he's still out protesting every single day. Um, uh, satirically, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, so he was telling me like they saw the biggest turnout that they've ever seen yesterday after the election. Hmm. Um, and we were talking about how like, that's going to just disappear in like a week. Like all hmm. that energy is just going to dissipate. So yeah. I think, I think, more than ever we have to be hyper specific on how capitalism is at the root 
of every single problem that will be discussed from here on out if any problems are ever discussed from here on out. Yeah, I agree. And I've um, had the same, you know, as I'm thinking about how I want to make my content, a lot of times I'm talking about contemporary issues. And since I only have 60 seconds, usually in the TikToks, I don't always connect those issues to capitalism. Be like, no, this is built into the very basis of the system we live in. Um, so that's, you know, I've, I bought a microphone now and I'm starting to do YouTube videos. Cause I do, I mean, that's the goal. We got to show people that these educate. problems aren't right. These right. Educate them that the problems are built into the system. It's not just by accident that we have all this horrendous stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't have an engine in your car, when you went to roll down your window, if you, you know, if you have electric windows and they don't roll down, um, or I should have said a battery to make this more correct. <laughs> but if you try to roll down your windows and your windows don't go, it's not because the button you're pressing is broken. It's because you don't have a fucking battery. Like you're something is <laughs> directly, you know, missing and or, you know, the root cause of that problem. And I mm. think that that's not for nothing. I think um, I think liberal ideology uh, is something that needs to be in the forefront of critique now that we have a, you know, a Democrat in, in office once again, because you know, he's going to spout off wokeness left and right. Mm-hmm. And I think that liberal ideology needs to be critiqued for what it is. And what it is, is not necessarily wrong, but not wholly correct. Um, yeah. Like when and- I had, go ahead. I was gonna. Are, are you done? Because I have. I was yeah, gonna go, go off it. just go a little it. bit. Yeah, I mean, like I was thinking the other day. Like I, I am ready to go after liberal ideology because, like, I was thinking for. I had this rant planned about this, but I don't. I didn't know the right platform to share. But I think this is the place uh, to do it. Like, I hate liberals more than I hate conservatives. I really do. <laughs> I like. I think they are pompous. I think they're condescending. They call me kid. They act like I don't know what I'm talking about when I critique Obama. And they think they're so much better than the Republicans, right? They're like, oh, the Republicans have a cult of personality around Trump. They're so stupid. Let's all dress up as Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, <laughs> to honor our woke queen. Like, you guys are worse. And you're so, and, but you're just pompous about it, you know? At least most Republicans are like working class people. and and they're cool on a personal level. Right. Yeah, no, I definitely think that liberals are like, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? You're, you're right. Pompous is a good word. Like not for nothing, but when I was a liberal, I had no fucking idea what I was talking about. Like no fucking <laughs> they idea never what do, I was talking bro. about. They never do. But I went off on people on Republicans. <laughs> usually it, it just, you know, just basically yelling shit at them um, <laughs> that had no coherent message. And that's a lot of what I'm sure you get when you have conversations with these people. That's what I got when I had this kid, Matt, on my show, which I don't know if you listened to that episode. He came on to talk to me about capitalism and all it ended up be being was he was trying to get me in like a gotcha moment. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, oh, own, own this fucking leftist. Move on. Um I'll, I'll tell you the whole story some other time, but, um, I'll have to yeah, check I, that episode out. Maybe. 
there's a part where he is just outright screaming at me, not (laughs) letting me say a fucking word, just screaming at me. I think it's at like 43 minutes or something. But um, that's that's what I was like when I was a liberal. And so I do not fault liberals for that. But you are correct that dealing with a liberal is very oftentimes worse than dealing with a Republican in in. One way, though, I will argue that sometimes dealing with a Republican is more difficult than a Democrat, because I think a Democrat kind of loses a lot of the things that they would say if they weren't woke. Mm -hmm. Whereas like dealing with a Republican, like you're there's a chance, depending on where you are, that you will hear the N word. Right. (laughs) Like so. So, like, uh, it, it's kind of like a balance. I wouldn't say that I hate... I, I agree with you that, like, they're pompous, they're condescending, and they're awful, oftentimes very awful to deal with. But I don't think one is necessarily worse than the other, and I don't think you were serious when you said that. But, mm-hmm. like, equally still, dealing with liberals is where we have to focus our attention, and I agree that it is going to be an awful time. Yeah, I have people during... And this is the kind of stuff, too... And obviously, I worked for the Bernie campaign, so that involved speaking with mostly liberals um, and hearing their arguments against Bernie would obviously infuriate you. You know, like I want to keep my private insurance. Like, no, you don't. <laughs> you do not want that. You you think you want that. Um, and, but they're so condescending the way they say it. And like on TikTok too, I have people, I have liberals yelling at me because for starting the petition. Like he's he said he's gonna do it. Like, calm down, kid. Like you are talking about a man who's got a history of tear gassing migrants being, you know, openly racist crime bill or Iraq war, blah, blah, blah. And you're mad at me for signing a petition to make sure he ends child separation. There are people I would talk about the war in Libya and what happened or the intervention. They'd be like, quit criticizing Obama. So close. Obama so close to the election. I'm like, dude, there are slaves in Libya right now. And you're telling me not to criticize what we did there. Um, and talk uh, about the slavery because you think it might damage your woke King Biden and Queen Kamala. Yeah, which two things. First of all, um, uh, fucking, did you see the tweet where I forgot who it was, but it blew up on Twitter uh, where this this guy was like, let us deal with our problems in private talking about like the democratic party like <laughs> like stop critiquing us we're we're dealing with it on our own like leave us be <laughs> um and then the other thing that i wanted to say is that um i'm listening to red menace um which i don't know if if someone is looking for i i mean it's obviously specific theory but if you're looking for like some you know pretty easily understandable theoretical ideas from people like Lenin, Stalin, uh, even like uh, Fred Hampton, like just, you know, good analytical conversation. Red Menace and Revolutionary Left Radio, check them out. Could not agree more. Yeah, I was listening to Red Menace's episode on what is to be done by Lenin. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
something that I, I mean, I, I feel like oftentimes we, we do just simply because we exist in the world and we have to go to work every day, but I forget about like where I exist in the world. So like mm-hmm. one of the points that they made was like, we oftentimes talk about freedom in America as like our true ideal. And like we prop up politicians who say that they're going to make America freer or do things to make Americans more free. But Mm -hmm. ultimately, I think that is such a short sighted goal, because one, not for nothing, we're not free in America. And two, the few freedoms that we do enjoy are a direct result of extreme oppression (laughs) in the global South. Like, (laughs) If you want to have, you know, whatever cereal company you want to choose from, well, then you have to be okay with Kellogg having sweat factories in South America. Um, (laughs) And and like, you got to be okay with, you know, awful uh, manufacturing plants all over the world that Kellogg probably has where workers probably are not being paid a livable wage, where people are getting laid off and, you know, being replaced by machinery and stuff like that. Like we have these discussions about, you know, these problems are being solved and, you know, we're, we're making steps and everything like that. But even what we're making steps towards is literally antithetical to what we think we're making step towards. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so to kind of tie this all up. So now we have Joseph Robinette Biden, 46th president of the United States with uh, our woke queen Kamala Harris being the girl boss in girl in boss chief. girl boss in chief. Let's go um, as our vice president. So <clears throat> talking specifically about like uh, if you are say say you're a left leaning liberal or a leftist or you know on on the left of what you would consider someone who would outright support Joe Biden. What is it that we need, in your opinion, to be thinking about, focusing on, you know, beginning to understand and working towards? Like, what do you think is in our direct possibilities of, like, on an individual level? So, like, maybe what is it that you are doing uh, that that you think, you know, is an example of what we can be doing? Yeah, in, I've been, you know, the biggest critic of the push Biden left narrative, like, Obviously, he's a corporate puppet. He's, you're not going to push this man to the left, but he's not an objectively just like awful human being like Trump. And and then his base is different than Trump's, too. So, like, he can't just do horrendous things brazenly and then, you know, uh, and then just like brag about it or say it's not true, say it's fake news. So, like, the the petition that I've started that now has 20,000 signatures um, is uh, to end child separation at the border on day one of Joe Biden's presidency by executive order. Cause it's like, he promised, you know, leftists were promised that this man was going to be the lesser of two evils. Uh, so now it's time for him to prove it, you know, quit taking kids from their parents at the border, you know, and I want, you know, he should make a big show of it. He should be like, look what the, my administration is doing. This is historic, blah, blah, blah. Like, why not just get those kids back, reunited with their parents and 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 end that policy altogether and i think not for nothing but we have we have within our liberal you know american base a a, i would argue a group of people that are explicitly uh opposed to policing and or authoritarianism because it's racist Mm -hmm. um 
but outside of that context still support the you know what causes authoritarianism and what causes policing because those two things aren't are would not exist outside of the context that they exist in um and so i think that at, at the very least at the very least I am excited to be able to uh, talk about politics without being like directly at physical threat. I think that that's like, I think that that's my most exciting point. Um, but yeah, no, the the ending child separation at the border. I think we have a lot of where I was going was uh, we have a lot of liberals who probably will stop paying attention pretty right. soon. And so I think that you are right, that making a show of it will very much bring the liberals back into like the game, like mm -hmm. at least paying attention to social media and not for nothing. I'm because of the red menace, I'm really focused on like scientific socialism mm -hmm. and Marxism, as we talked about the last time I had you on um, and how both these, you know, theories really uh, hyper uh, focus on the fact that you have to use the time and place and context in which you are existing in order to, you know, do make steps towards socialism. And so I think that one of the tools that we do have and that, you know, you and I right now we're both utilizing is technology. And I think, you know, social media is one of the things that is obviously very cancerous to society, but also offers a avenue and a lens into you know some some circles that we might not have in in into and since you know lenin really talks about the necessity for you know uh, you know people to go into every circle every sphere of people that isn't always as easy now as it once was then but i think with the help of social media that that is possible. So I agree that making a huge spectacle of it, bringing the liberals back into the, you know, back into the fight. I think that that would be good on all fronts. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as making it a spectacle, like I know people see that as bad, maybe as like, um, which makes sense. It is. Yeah, I get it. It's useful. I mean, as the actual left, you know, and obviously I'm not a Biden guy, but as the left, you got to realize like the right wing propaganda machine is like unabashed about their goal. You know, they're just trying to spread right wing ideas like Fox News and then how much money those they actually have behind them and how much money is dumped into the best, um, supposedly the best colleges in the country by right wing groups to make sure they're teaching right wing bullshit um, in economics classes and stuff. And you have to realize, like, using the media as a tool, you know, like propaganda isn't necessarily a bad thing if you're doing propaganda to move us closer to feeding the hungry Correct. and doing all these good things. You know, you got to you, you got to realize what you put out matters, you know, and you got to think hard about it. I think uh, I, I try and do that, at least with my even with my, you know, little TikTok videos little TikTok videos he says with like what how many fucking followers do you have right now i think i've been doing this i've been doing this podcast for a year and a half and on average i get 11 views i don't want to fucking hear it <laughs> <laughs> um no but you are correct yes we definitely need to i think now more than ever is really a a open realm for education because like we talked about earlier biden is 100% going to do 
absolutely nothing for the people that are telling you and I that we have to be happy that he is president. Mm-hmm. He's not going to do anything for the people that those people are pretending to care about, the marginalized folks within this country. He's not going to do anything for anyone other than who paid to get him in that seat. Mm-hmm. Kamala Harris is going to do the same thing. I talked about it before. I would watch uh, tech companies, like watch them closely, mm-hmm. watch what laws pass having to do with tech companies, because both Kamala Harris and Joe Biden have huge, huge ties with Silicon Valley, huge mm-hmm. ties, especially Kamala Harris. Um being that she's from California. Um, That's a very yeah, important no. point. And with people, you know, and with social media being what it is, sort of like the public square where ideas and stuff are shared, you know, we're supposed to be a country that prides itself on free speech. But now Silicon Valley billionaires are being tasked with censoring what's real and what's fake. And and the left acts like that's only going to be used on like fascists, you know, like no, they're right. They're going to use that to censor the left. It happens all the time. I know. Uh, Look at what happened on Facebook this past week. I mean, I'm a part of a bunch of Facebook groups, and like we were all talking about how like literally like 300 left pages just like got zucked for no reason. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're they're probably their like reasoning for it is because a bunch of QAnon ones got kicked a bunch like a, a month ago. And so it's like a, a you know, yin, yin and yang, you know, situation, a balance thing. But that's bullshit because QAnon has reason to actually be kicked. They spread insane conspiratorial oh, theories. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've, but so many people fall into QAnon. Oh, <laughs> so God, it's terrifying. It's very easy. But the point that I was saying was, um, you, we saw this. We saw this in attempt with uh, Trump meddling with TikTok. Mm-hmm. We we saw precisely the interests of the powers that be being directly questioned due to the existence of TikTok, mm-hmm. and therefore they went after it. Um, people lost their their college visas. By being accused of being Chinese spies because of their existence on TikTok, people's visas were denied for the same reason and not not for nothing. But we have this very racist center uh, at the core of our belief of this coronavirus. Mm-hmm. We did not need any more anti-China rhetoric. Right. We, we certainly did not need that. So I, I definitely think that Silicon Valley needs to be paid attention to and their ties to, you know, who's in president. We also need to pay attention to, obviously, like we just mentioned, the anti-China rhetoric. And really, I think, as leftists critique it and keep up with it if we can, because I think that it's going to go full gear. And then another thing, which uh, I, I mean, we didn't previously discuss, but I was watching a live stream earlier about a it's a new Black Panther rally out in uh, Kentucky, Mm -hmm. but they were talking about how we need to pay attention to the judges. Supreme Court, I mean, they got a majority, and not for nothing, the Democrats on there are basically Republicans anyways. We have to recognize right now that passing laws or, you know, changing policies and stuff like that, that's all symbolic. That's all symbolic. It's all bullshit. Will it help people? Yes. Should we fight for it? Yes. 
But should trying to pass laws and stuff like that be the focus right now? Absolutely not. We should be trying to work on a, in my opinion, a local level, trying to build community, trying to organize, um, which we talked about on our last episode, the importance of organizing. Um, do you have any anything to say about like local organizing? Do you have any in your area that you're a part of or any any ideas to start anything in your area? Yeah, DSA is good, and then I'm not. Well, I was like one of the most involved members with my college's labor club, and we did socialist night schools. It was called. That's a really good idea. Um, uh, if you go to college, um, one and then or, or just to do in general, we would research different topics. So one, it was making us smarter, um, and two, we were getting a lot of good information out there. So for like Black History Month, every week we we would do like a movie showing. You know, like. Uh huh. Movie Thirteenth uh, was one of them, and then like good movie, Black, yeah. And Black Power mixtape was another one. Just like, and then uh, we did night schools on like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and uh, Carl Roberson and all these you know socialist and communist uh, black leaders from history that you know were never taught that they were socialists. You know, they were about economic redistribution of of wealth, um, and. Yeah, I mean that's a good thing to do. I want to. I really want to start something though. Uh, my my uh, buddy Carlos, me too. The website with me was talking about the strategy of uh, Big Bill Haywood and the IWW, which is you organize strictly on class lines, right? So rather than like going to the peasants like Mao did, or going to the industrial proletariat like uh, Lenin did, you look at America. You know we have all these service industry jobs, all these tech jobs. Things are being automated. Um, we just need to organize based on class, you know, like if you're a worker, you're in the group, join IWW and let's fight and organize and unionize your workplace. And, and I think that's the strategy we should go with right now. And I, that's not really what I see, what you <laughs> see like DSA or even PSL. No. And there's no, no reason to have all these fucking communist parties when, you know, each of one of them has like t- 10 members, like let's combine right, you know, no, and make correct. a united front here of workers. Correct. Yes. And not for nothing, I'm happy to hear you say that because I have had it in my mind to want to start something like that. And I think it was actually our last conversation that got me on that kick. Mm-hmm. But I started a Facebook page called uh, Service Workers for Socialism. Um, and I added like a bunch of people from my other leftist groups. I haven't really done anything with it because I don't really have a, a, a platform. I don't have anything to do. I have no... You know, I've I've no organization whatsoever. So if you would want to team up with me on that, that is definitely something that I would like to further doing because not for nothing, I think that most of our working class people, especially in our, you know, small town areas like mine and your area, it sounds like, is a lot of, I would guess, like retail jobs or like, right. you know, uh, minimum wage jobs they're often called as well service work Mm -hmm. and i think that that is a community that like we talked about we definitely did have this discussion discussion that 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 group is heavily propagandized with anti-union you know bullshit right uh i i uh worked at lowe's we had to watch a uh like a whole hour-long video talking about how bad unions are and why do they why do they cause problems and stuff like that and how we had to report people if we ever heard them talking about their pay. <laughs> um, yeah, so 
Yes, they yes. Hate that, 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 I, I genuinely, Eddie, if you want to team up on that or if you want to, you know, give me any kind of role in that, I, I would love to do that. That's definitely something that I've been feeling the need to do. I've been, I've been feeling the need to like organize and I don't really have any circles to organize because not for nothing, I don't really have a whole lot of like friends that I interact with on a daily basis. Hot. There's like a pandemic. <laughs> um, I work at a place that literally only has three employees. So like that, that, that want to organize that like uh fire to organize it's not nothing's being met and so i feel like i could at least contribute my energy to something that you might have a, a better platform for you know for sure i was telling my girlfriend that the other day i'm like dang i want to knock on some doors like organizing for bernie was awesome um, i want to like start doing that type of stuff again. And that kind of gave me the drive to do the petition. I was thinking like, I was thinking about specifically you and like how we live in different areas. And I'm like, if I can just, you know, keep building connections and maybe put together some kind of organization here, that would be, um, we're a hive mind brother. I'm literally having these thoughts at work today as I'm texting you because (laughs) I got, I got a buddy out in Portland. I got a couple friends in Arizona. I got some friends in Texas. I got some friends in Kentucky, some friends in uh, Virginia, some friends in Florida, some friends in New York. I got you. I got some friends in Germany. I got some friends abroad. So, like, I got a lot of friends in Australia right now, actually, Mm -hmm. um, because of the Facebook page that I'm on. Um, But, yeah, no, it hive mind. So legit, like, let's take this energy. Let's fucking do something with it. Cause I'm dying, man. I'm dying. Uh, so let, let's, let's, let's wrap it up real quick. So in, you know, one breath, what's your, what's your official take for the election and moving forward right now? Um, official take, uh, organize the workplaces and along class lines specifically, and keep teaching people and educating yourself about the evils of capitalism. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, listen, you, you couldn't summarize it any better than that. You really couldn't. Um, so now let's kind of like uh, reroute it here. And I'm going to be honest with you. I hit my dad pen a couple of times. What, what was our next point? <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you want me to do the eco-socialism thing? Sure. Did you wanna you wanna hop into that? Sure. I might as well. Okay. Um Yeah. So since to talk a little bit about some theory rather than the election, I guess. Like um, Oh, thank God. <laughs> I've been studying this uh I had this environmental politics class last year with my professor who was a Marxist who has his uh PhD in Chinese politics. Oh, fucking hell. Study in Beijing. Dude's the goat. We, so we were hey, studying. Hey, 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 we lost you there. It literally, as soon as you said, whoops. I've been studying, it cut. Oh, whoops. Go ahead. Can you hear me again? Yeah, just that, what, what you were saying. Okay, cool. So I've been studying, I took this environmental politics class with my professor who has his PhD in Chinese politics. He's a Marxist. He studied in China um, for multiple years. And we were talking about, the, about this idea in Marxist ecology called metabolic rift. So essentially nature and the planet earth uh, works as a series of cycles and it recycles essential elements. 
Uh, and if anyone wants to learn more about this, please search Ian Angus, A-N-G-U-S, on YouTube. He gives a lecture on metabolic rift, and he wrote a book called Facing the Anthropocene. That's really great. That talks a lot about it. So <clears throat> these processes, like, you know, plants and animals emit, I can't remember, what do plants emit CO2 yes. or and intake nitrogen or something? Oxygen. I don't know. Oxygen. Okay. So no, no, right. No, I'm no, not... no, 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 no. They intake CO2. They extake oxygen. Well, I'm not a scientist. Okay. I, they, if you know about plants and you're listening to this, just ignore this whole fucking part. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Please ignore everything I have to say about plants. But I do understand about plants that nature has all these uh, recycling processes that um, recycle essential elements. And human production has now gotten to the point where we are destroying a lot of these processes, which is called metabolic rift. And that forces a lot of animals to go extinct. A million animals are now facing extinction. It forces our water to be polluted. And of course, it forces too much CO2 into the, into, uh, the air. So, you know, for millions and billions of years, there was enough, or, you know, the c- amount of CO2 that was in the air regulated itself, you know, enough to sustain life on earth. But now because humans are pumping so much CO2 into the, into the atmosphere artificially, um, there's too much and we right. have global warming and that's what's referred to as metabolic rift. And without, you know, and Marx wrote about this in 1850, which is crazy. Um, but now we, there's a much deeper understanding of it. And the way you do something about that is you plan production, right? Cause capitalism can't do anything about it. Capitalism has nothing to say about the environment. It's all about profit under a planned socialist economy. You can make your processes of production harmonious with the way that, you know, scientists understand uh, nature's processes work and make sure we're not creating these metabolic risks. You know, you can have, genius scientists involved in the human production process you know what a concept rather than uh stockholders <laughs> yeah so um just to kind of because it, it seems like you don't really have the scientific backing which not for nothing i kind of do i mean i was going to be a biologist but like it was too difficult for me and i just didn't have the whole education and mm-hmm. i didn't want to spend thousands of dollars trying to do it so Basically, the way that it works is because of evolution, the Earth has created an atmosphere in which can regulate itself. You know, through years and years of evolution, all the plants, animals and everything that exists on the Earth has been able to contain itself in a way that is recycling, Um, which not for nothing, a lot of indigenous cultures very easily caught on to and that's why they were nomadic people who hunted sustainably and only you know fulfilled the needs of their people rather than you know creating an economic system that incentivized just yeah right (laughs) that just incentivized uh production so this you know is being interrupted by the production and distribution of massive amounts of carbon co2 into the atmosphere, which is essentially deteriorating the atmosphere. I don't know if you would remember this. Like 10 years ago, there was a huge thing about the ozone layer. I don't know if you were like paying attention at that time. I wasn't really, but I remember hearing that like the ozone layer was fixed, um, which not for nothing, we are actively fucking that up. Like the second (laughs) we quote unquote fix it, because again, like you said, Under an economic system such as capitalism, 
There is no incentive whatsoever for those who are at the helm to give a shit about the environment because that's not profitable. And that's it. That's the whole point, period. Like, there's no discussion that needs to be made. There's no profit to be had as a business owner, such as, I don't know, like Jeff Bezos, to care about the ozone layer. Other than- Isn't Elon Musk going to save the planet by doing coups in Bolivia and building space cars, though? Yes, yes, you are right. So we don't yeah, actually okay, have to care about the environment because we're all going to just die on the way to Mars when we all, you know, don't actually mm-hmm. prepare for space travel and our bodies just completely give out. Um, but yeah, no, that's uh, that's a really cool concept. And Planned planned production is something that I think it's talked about because I've been on this red menace kick for a while. I think it's talked about in scientific socialism versus utopian yes, socialism. Yeah. Um, planned planned production is extremely important, not just simply to the environment, but it actually, honestly, just fucking makes sense because why would you produce anything other than what people need? Because if people don't need it, they probably don't have the money to buy it. And so even though it's available, it's for no one. And therefore you are just massively spent, not, not for nothing, but just spending an obnoxious amount of money that could be spent other, uh, you know, in other places. And I'm not saying this is a good thing. So do not get upset with me, those who might get upset with me. But I am saying, speaking economically, it could honestly make sense to do that because then you are always at the point of necessity. You are always in the realm of uh, what, what is it? Demand. Like that mm-hmm. would make sense if you just produced what was immediately necessary. Cause then you could guarantee you were going to sell it and mm-hmm. not for nothing. If you produce that, you could save a lot on overhead which would mean that you could make your products affordable. And then again, you would probably see more sales and then the cycle continues, but that's not profitable, man. That that's, that mm-hmm. that's not going to make billions of dollars. Like mm-hmm. Jeff Bezos can produce a million fucking like, uh, fu- what, what the hell? Flashlights. He could produce a million fucking only sell a hundred and it still would have been a, a, a a profitable endeavor <laughs> yeah and it's it's funny you hear libertarians have you ever heard of them talk about the economic calculation problem it's hilarious it's this idea from hayek in like the 20s you there that like centrally what where did i lose you i lost you again oh sorry did i start talking about the economic calculation problem yet? yes go go Okay, there's this idea with libertarians that was written about by like Hayek in the 20s and they're like centrally planned economies won't ever work because like you can't, uh, you know, whoever's centrally planning it can't keep up with what everyone needs. And it's like, one, that was in the 20s and like, you know, yeah. what socialists <laughs> aren't even advocating for an entirely centralized economy, you know, almost every socialist wants more decentralized, but like, um, still, you know, planned production for the most part. Um, two, uh, technology has changed and you could easily just build a supercomputer that planned all the production. Guaranteed. It would, you know, it would be easy as heck. And then three, the 
fastest growing, most powerful economy in the world for the last 30 some years is China. And it's because of planned production. The Chinese <laughs> Communist Party looks at the global market and produces whatever is going to make them rich. Or in coronavirus, you know, they produced, they built hospitals within a matter of days because they plan their production. And you got these libertarians in the U.S. like, oh, planned production will never work. Meanwhile, China's about to surpass the U.S. as the world's greatest superpower by planning their production. And li- literally less than 100 years. And literally less than 100 mm-hmm. years. Like that, that is insane by anyone's account. And we, I've done an episode on China, and I kind of want to take a step back from ever really discussing it because it's kind of like one of those realms of like confusion for a lot of leftists and no, not, not for nothing, but no matter what take you have on China, you're wrong. You know what I mean? So like China is a problem child because they are actively doing scientific socialism, but the general left public does not actually conceptualize scientific socialism because they've never lived in a socialist economy. Mm -hmm. So their whole conception of socialism is usually utopian. And I would not have known that a week ago. Oh, really? So there's no, yes, there is no fault for anyone. Like, I'm not accusing anyone of anything. That is just simply where they're at. You know what I mean? I'm glad to hear you say that because I I love China. I support them pretty hard. You know, like, obviously, when they do stuff I don't like, I critique it. But you, like... That's kind of the whole point. Right. And what they've done is is like insane. And I this is just funny anecdote. They had Milton Friedman come talk when they were opening uh-huh. up their economy to private um, to more private. You know, obviously uh, they call it their policy of opening up. So they added, you know, a private market alongside the centrally planned economy. So there was no inflation under Mao because the economy was entirely planned. So they got rid of inflation and Milton Friedman had written these books on inflation. So they were just like, oh, he must be an expert on inflation. We'll have him come give some talks about how to deal with it. And <clears throat> Milton Friedman was really shocked. And he's like, OK. And then he went and obviously did his spiel where he's like, free market, or, you know, freer the market, the freer the people, blah, blah, blah. And the Chinese people's reaction was like, what the fuck? Like, we thought this guy was an expert <laughs> on inflation. And he came and gave us like this weird bullshit pro capitalist <laughs> rhetoric and they just like ignored it. <laughs> oh, it's so funny because that guy literally fucking thrives in America. And yes. that idea thrives in America. <laughs> and not for nothing, even super well intentioned people hold that ideal to be true because it is the socially agreed upon by the powers that be ideal that we we will allow you know what i mean like yeah you get you get all i i was hearing um brett from rev left talk about this a couple weeks ago but a lot of people i i have heard question why there is so little information on the left you know Why are these avenues of education so readily available for different political theories other than leftist theories? You know, why are leftists not producing enough? And I think what we tend to forget is that the reason why, you know, there is so much readily available information about like, you know, free market economy, liberalism, like all all these generally supported ideals is because just that they are generally supported. Mm -hmm. Like, you will not find a book critiquing, you know, uh, Alex Smith or um, 
fucking who's another good one like you won't see liberalist or capitalist critiques in fucking barnes and noble right you know so yes you are and if you read jane meyer's dark money i mean she's a journalist and she's pretty liberal for my liking but she traces like the the amount of far-right money that flows from like the Koch brothers and their other oligarchs and like into our colleges, into the media, into all private and charter schools. Like it is insane how much money goes into propping these up. And, you know, there were fracking billionaires are the ones who launched Ben Shapiro's show, you know, even people you think who might have kind of done it because of their personality. Like even they are propped up by huge amounts of cash. Yeah, it's it fucking sucks that we're so poor. Like, why do we have to be working class? Like, <laughs> we we could be teaching people so much more if we just like you know weren't poor. Um, I forget what her name is, and I'm not even gonna try because I I I just straight up don't remember. But uh, the the girl, I don't know if you've ever heard of Trillbilly's Worker Party Union, whatever podcast. I think you would actually really like it. Um. Mm. Uh, they're from Kentucky. Um, the 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 girl on there, uh, she uh, she was talking about how fucking. Oh, where the fuck was I going with this? God damn it! Wait, <laughs> um, re-say like your final point because I'm genuine. I lost it. I'm lost I gotta it. I gotta retrace my steps. Um. Fuck, what was she talking about? Oh, she was talking about how, like, not for nothing, but we have no money. The left has no money. Mm-hmm. Gravel Institute propping up this YouTube channel to combat PragerU is, like, the biggest thing that we have on the left, really. <laughs> in terms of, like, yeah. in terms of, like, actively combating, like, liberal or capitalist propaganda. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, we are really for no fault of our own operating with our within our own spheres of influence we are not expanding out because we just simply do not have the money to um but that like we talked about before that can be easily combated with unification and like you know centralizing the 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 mission that we are trying to do and working together in order to you know, make up for the fact that we do not have billions of dollars. Right. Bernie Sanders was able to very, very actively campaign against an entire stage of people who they themselves and everyone who supported them and the party who, you know, he had his name next to as well as the rest of them had their name next to while they all actively fought against him. And he was not, you know, getting money from corporate influence as much as the rest of people. He had a grassroots campaign that saw national television like nothing we will see uh, on the left without, you know, someone like Bernie doing it again. Uh, He was able to do that. So we do know that we have some form of influence outside of ourselves but i think that we really do genuinely need to start unionizing mm-hmm. like and like po- i i was ta- i was talking with i was talking with john from beep beep lettuce or i messaged him this idea about like a mass podcast union <laughs> which i know like kind of sounds corny um and it might not actually operate in any kind of spheres of influence or power 
But not for nothing, if just simply to, like, be able to have that line of communication between people who are actively doing the same thing that you are doing, I think that that is amazing. And I think that we need to start seeing that, like you said, along class lines. Like, this unification of, like, all right, we all get it. We're all here. Let's, you know, go our separate ways real quick and do what we got to do in our own circles, come back and talk about how it went and see what we can do to do it better. Because, you know, there's socialist mine or, or miners, there's there's socialist Walmart workers, there's socialist smokers choice workers, there's socialist potheads who sit at home and do nothing but are on Reddit and have a lot of followers for some reason, like we all have our own personal spheres of influence. And I think that the only thing that can truly capitalize on those spheres of influence is a unification of like the quote unquote mission and kind of a, a discussion to see like what works, what doesn't. All right, here's the information. Go do that. Which uh, I think that podcasts themselves do very well. Mm -hmm. But real quick. This app can only record up to 60 minutes. We're at 59.21. I have to end and send you another link if you want to continue. Okay. All righty. Um, I'd say let's go another like 5.10, wrap it up. Cool. I think we're doing Sounds great. Sounds good. Yo. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I figured we could just like, you know, tidy up here. Um, Sounds good. So... Then, yeah, sorry I kind of, like, went on a rant there. Uh, I've just been really on this kick of, like, uh, like, like, unity. You know what I'm saying? Like, because, like, that's really all that we can possibly have right now. Because, you know, to really, to contextualize where we're at in this moment in time, the left has no power. None. The left has zero power, not only just in bourgeois politics, but just on the streets, you know. The general public has no place for socialism in their minds for no fault of their own. And somehow or another, we have to change that. Um, and I think that one of the ways that we can do that is through, you know, different avenues of unity. Because like we were talking about earlier, really using technology, really using social media, while we still have a voice on these platforms, because not for nothing, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, really put it a, 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 a put it past them that Kamala and Joe Biden start censoring leftist shit on all social media platforms like I genuinely wouldn't be surprised so while we still have a voice I think that that should be something we should really be focusing on I mean and one thing too is right wingers even though they have all this power and money they're at a disadvantage in that they have to act or convince people to actively fight to make their lives worse. Right. Correct. Our message is what's going to make their lives better. So like, you know, we have like the truth on our side, especially when it comes to like Medicare for all and how disastrous these wars have been and scientific socialism. And like, this is objectively a much better place to move, you know, society. Oh, and, oh um, 100%. Yeah. And, but, and, you know, right wing outlets have to convince people to make their, or, you know, to want their lives to be worse and demand that their lives be worse. So, mm -hmm. I mean, and that's what we're trying to do is get, you know, counteract that message and tell people, you know, what can make their lives better. Right. And what really sucks is you're right. We do, we do have the truth on our side. And objectively, it, it wouldn't take much to convince anyone to, you know, anyone who is, 
of the working class to to think that socialism is a good idea if you could talk to them outside of like you know every preconceived notion that exists in their mind mm-hmm. um but the problem is that is that so many people do have preconceived notions and i i would say that even though the right and even the the quote unquote left in this country you know your liberals they don't have the truth on their side. They are both actively fighting for making people make their life for the for the, the the want for people to make their lives worse, but they're succeeding. Right, like, they're it, winning. It has, it's like damn. They have <laughs> How been is that possible that they convince people to make their lives worse? <laughs> they've been actively succeeding since like they have had a place to succeed, mm-hmm. and it's because so many people through that are bred to want short-sighted individualistic gains. Mm -hmm. And I think that during this time, we're going to see a lot of very short-sighted individualistic gains be celebrated, such as the ending of child separation at the border. Like that will be celebrated as if it's solved a problem. Um, And I think that we as the left since we really don't have any power, uh, you know, objectively speaking, I'm not saying this to be a doomer or anything, but like we saw what Bernie Sanders, what was supposed to be this radical left candidate was met with. And he's a democratic socialist or a social Democrat. I can't remember. Um, You would know you, you worked for, you know what I mean? Uh He's a democratic socialist at heart, but a social Democrat in policy. Right. So like he, he was our radical left candidate and we saw what he was met with. So we truly on the left don't have a whole lot of power, but we do still at the very least, like I said, have a voice. Mm -hmm. And so I think that when these individualistic short-sighted symbolic changes are made, I think that really what we as the left need to do, what you and I, you know, in our different spheres of influence need to do is point out how that is a short-sighted, individualistic you know gain and how it does not actually solve the problem and how ultimately because of the concessions that are gained it could lead to worse problems Mm -hmm. you know like like people in america saw a lot of their workers rights taken away from them throughout the history of america which was problematic but through that they also saw extreme oppression in the global south and across the globe which brought them freedom and they voted for that freedom even though they were literally seeing their jobs and their safety and sanctity and self-sustainability aka individuality and freedom being sent outside of the country uh and yet they still voted for the people that were doing it so i think we really we really need to be on our ball as the left in critiquing and education and again that hopefully will bring unity just to some extent because i'm sick and tired of seeing people bicker on social media about what fucking dead guy uh had it right compared to some other dead guy (laughs) and it's like all right you're completely missing the context in which they were writing Mm -hmm. but whatever um yeah, yeah i heard so, you said you're reading stalin right or you were hearing about uh, it that's the next that's the next one i forget what the writing is but like uh 
it, it's a, it's something that Stalin wrote that Brett and Allison on Red Menace are yeah, going to talk about. Yeah, probably dialectical and historical materialism. He's it's interesting. It's like you said, you can learn the context and like he's made out to be this comical level evil, you know, in the U.S. And then you read what he was writing. It's like, oh, he was really, really smart. And there was like stuff going on at the time. And, you know, there were he led the army that defeated the Nazis and industrialized the country of Russia within, you know, a matter of years, took them from a third world feudal country, you know, to a, a world powerhouse using, uh, you know, central planning of the economy and stuff. And it's like, He's made out to be this comical evil, and when you read him, it's like, oh, you know, there's nuance to everything. Um, well, that's that's what's really frustrating is that, you know, especially in our leftist online spheres, we see a lot of uh, purist uh, critiques of people like Stalin or, you know, places like the USSR. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people take, you know, problem with the practices and things that happened there. But again, like you said, to take the nuance and the context with those things is very important. Like when I was listening to uh, Red Menace's episode about uh, scientific socialism versus utopian socialism, uh, I also started rereading uh, Capital. And oh, so nice. I went through and I like looked up like the history of like not just Germany, but the history of Europe and, you know, Asia and Russia, the history of that whole continent at the time that all these people were writing, because I was going to be a history teacher. Also, I, I was going to be a lot of things. Well, you'll, you'll get to know that about me. But um, so like I, ha I have this inclination towards history. And so I think what people tend to forget about the past is that it was the past. And so like, it happened, and yeah, we can critique the shit out of it and say, like, yes, Stalin did some things wrong, Lenin did things wrong, you know, everyone did things wrong, everyone said things <laughs> All wrong, human everyone do things wrong. It's part of correct, life. correct. <laughs> that that is the point I'm trying to make, and it's in the past, mm -hmm. and that means that we can learn from it. Yep. And so the whole idea of like completely throwing out communism you know i know a lot of anarchists who are like fuck communism i know a lot of communists who are like fuck anarchism i know you know what i mean you got all these factions yeah. but at the end of the day you are doing the opposite of what you think you're doing you're 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 searching for this utopia one that doesn't exist and two you are destroying any possibility of it because at the end it's going to be you and yourself alone living in a ditch because you yelled at every single person who didn't do socialism perfectly right um <laughs> like like again china is very insanely critiqued communism Stalin, Lenin, like all of Russia and all that super heavily critiqued. But I think that if you are critiquing that, speaking now and speaking due to like your own sense of morality and understanding of the world, you're you, not for nothing, but like kind of fuck you because like you're adding to discourse uh, and con absolutely just muddying the waters mm. because i can't have a discussion about stalin i can't have a discussion about mao on any platform whatsoever without immediately opening myself up to some fucking like 19 year old who you know like is super anarchist because he hates his mom <laughs> 
and like like and he thinks he's got it down like i gotta read that shit or at the very least i have to go through and delete it and that's annoying because like first of all again just like me when i was a liberal that kid has no fucking clue what he's talking about and even if he does he's missing out on what he could know by just simply learning from other tendencies other theories under other places other history you can't just write out a part of history you don't like because you don't like it and think that you're better for it you just kneecapped yourself right yeah have you read the comments on my tiktok videos about like mao or or north korea some of them some of them when you put the first one i saw that you posted was about venezuela i think Uh uh-huh and and I went through the comments on that dude, and that was like when you were first taking off, I think. Um, that was a while ago, probably at least a few months ago. Um, but I read the comments on that, and they were all just utterly childish and comical. They are hilarious. I'm like, the people on the Korean War one are telling me like, yeah, but North Korea bad. You know, they're a dictatorship. I'm like, that doesn't justify the korean war and why do you think they became this highly militarized (laughs) society it's because we've been trying to murder them and we killed 20 (laughs) percent of their population but you right like just i literally in that video i did nothing but like say objective facts about the korean war (laughs) why they hate us and people are like kim jong-un bad yeah those are the same people saying orange man bad dude like it's crazy like people really do think like you said that they're better than republicans because they like also hate the left uh i guess like i don't really understand what the baseline because like you didn't drive a tractor at any point in your life you think that like you're better or like because you you know, your mom pays for all your school. Like, you know what I mean? Like this, this liberal, like elitism yeah. is utterly ridiculous because not for nothing, as we discussed before, most rural working class people have much more understanding of like their material reality than any liberal does, especially ones that were like me that just went on Facebook and shared Occupy Democrats memes. <laughs> Those memes can be funny, though. I... Listen, that that I'm glad we did this because I kind of accidentally tied this right up. Uh, I I accidentally, like before we started recording, shared an Occupy Democrats thing because I saw a meme and the meme was Statue of Liberty sleeping and next to it is a prescription bottle that says Sleepy Joe. And I took it to mean that like, oh, yep, there goes everybody. Nobody's going to care anymore. We're just going to go to sleep with Joe Biden. But it turns out that the context in which that that was posted, Occupy Democrats posted that the night after the election and said, has anybody had a better night's sleep in the last four years? And there's just 30,000 people commenting, never slept better. Oh, and my. Lives living it up. Not even joking. I will send you the screenshot. Please do. One of the comments on that post literally says what a relief i feel like i am a abuse survivor no that is such a statement to post in a public place where anyone has the freedom to screenshot that (laughs) my buddy is in a a facebook called the libs living it up 
I need to. I am also in that oh, you Facebook are, group. The one that said a uh, 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 Bolivia did it, and it was Evo, and it was like we can do it too, and it was Biden. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh my goodness! All right, so yeah, I mean that's all I got. Um, go ahead and plug yourself, man. I mean you got you got a whole bunch to plug. Go through it. Uh, TikTok, Midwestern Marks on all platforms. Been doing YouTube a lot lately. Right now I'm doing a reading guide of uh, imperialism, the highest stage of capitalism. I uh, got my petition. Uh, TikTok, Eddie Liger Smith. And yeah, mo- I'm, I'm really putting a push towards promoting the YouTube because you never know what can happen with TikTok. And like, it would be nice to have an extra revenue thought? source too if I made it to a certain uh, number of YouTube followers. So keep losing you at like the comically funniest parts like you were like i'm really pushing towards and then it just cut (laughs) so uh, i'm really pushing towards that's when i got cut off yeah oh yeah i'm really pushing towards uh establishing my youtube channel because one that would be a nice source of revenue and two i can do much longer form content which is what i want to do anyways come explaining these complex ideas and YouTube's just fun. I got a microphone now. So, yeah, follow me on YouTube. What's I'm your... up to like 600 subscribers already, which is dope. Midwestern Marks? Yes, sir. On, on YouTube, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and let me uh, let me send you a link. I am a part of a Facebook page that's got a decent following that posts, like, good YouTube channels to watch. I'll I'll send it to you. You can just, you know, when you post it, just oh. fucking just post it right in there and people will, people will watch it. Damn, appreciate that. Thank yeah, you. of course. Um, so, yeah. This, I am know, terrible at promoting myself. I hate it. I hate it so much. I post, at, every time I post something, I post on all my social medias that I posted something. And every time I'm like, God, I am the worst person to ever exist. <laughs> <laughs> all right um yeah it, it it is what it is so yeah i mean this has been annoying question boy thanks for coming on the show once again my friend i hope to have you on again soon uh hope to talk to you soon i hope you have a good rest of your night you have anything else to say before we uh we say our goodbyes not really thanks for having me on of course my friend we'll see you next time yes yeah, see ya. all righty bye <laughs> If you're still listening to this, thank you very much. Um, I appreciate you and I love you. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, If you have some questions, you can go ahead and DM me on any of my socials. Uh, I have Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter at Annoying Question Boy. Um, You can message me there. You can, you know, get a hold of me. Let me know what you thought. Um, Also, if you don't already, go ahead and follow me on those. Uh, if you didn't know, I also do a blog. It's annoying question boy, spelt like that, no caps, no spaces, dot blog spot, B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T dot com. Um, I think that's all I have for you. If you enjoyed the episode, thank you. Uh, I appreciate you very much. I hope you have a lovely day. I hope everyone's doing well, staying safe and healthy as possible, staying sane as possible, and trying to figure out what the fuck, uh, is coming next. I hope everybody is all right. Um, And yeah, again, thanks for listening. I hope you have a great one. Uh, We'll see you next time. As always, it has been your boy. Peace.